helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. I want to thank you for joining us on this episode of the Life Transformation Show. Today's show is titled, Five Ways to Flatten the Curve of Hopelessness. I am your host, Michael Hart of Elam Counseling Services. We are living in stress-evoking times indeed. Every day, we are bombarded on the news with stories of people becoming sick or dying. People, we hear of people losing their jobs, stock prices falling, impending food shortages, not to mention the shortages of toilet paper, and grim predictions about the future. With all this bad news, it is quite easy to fall into a state of hopelessness, which brings with it a number of negative consequences. And to mention those consequences, I want to refer to research that was done by Professor Jerome Groupman in his book, The Anatomy of Hope. He writes that hope is more than just a thought. It's more than just a mindset was the word that he used. He said, hope actually has the power to change neurochemistry. He went on to say that hope impacts on our nervous system and impacts our mind. He said hope is the the connector between mind and body. And he went on in the research to show that hope actually, or a lack of hope, can lead to physical ailments that can have very negative consequences on one's health. We know from other studies that have been done that hope can lead to cardiovascular disease, depression, anxiety, uh, high blood pressure, and a lot of other negative consequences. In another research on hope, we were we that sorry another research on hope that was done by Professor Kurt Richer. He did an experiment using wild rats, and he he first got thirty-four wild rats that he put one by one into a into a container of water, and what he found was that within minutes these rats drowned one by one. So he tweaked his experiment a little by getting similar rats, but after leaving them in the water for a few minutes, he would take them out, hold them for a few minutes, and then put them back in. And what he found, to his surprise, is that just by that break, that few minutes break, that these rats would swim for hours and hours than the previous batch the previous rats that were put in this container. And he said the difference is that the second second set of rats had hope because they were taken from the container for just that brief moment. And so as we are going through these very hard times, hope becomes very, very important. So today I'm going to be sharing five ways to flatten the curve of hopelessness, five practical things that you can do to give you hope. 
If you are new to the Life Transformation Show, you can find out more about us by going to our website, elimcounselingministry.com. You can also call us at one 544 3546. We would be happy to hear from you. The Bible also has a lot to say about hope. We read of passages in the scripture where the psalmist talks about God being a source of refuge and strength, having hope in God. Uh, the psalmist David cried out to God and said, My soul, he's speaking to his soul, and he's saying, My soul, why are you so troubled within me? And then he goes on to say, he went on to say, Put your hope in God. In Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, we have these famous words where God speaking to the people while they were suffering, while they were in captivity, he said to them, I have plans for you, plans to bring you prosperity and not, not despair, plans to bring about the future and plans to bring you hope. And so in that passage, God is saying, despite what you're going through, there is hope. I want to say to you today that despite the hardships that we are going to into in going through in today's world, there are ways that you can cultivate hope. So five ways to flatten the curve of hopelessness. The first strategy for flattening the curve of Hopelessness, and it's a very simple strategy that can be done by anyone but is often overlooked. And I think it is crucial because we have the opposite of this strategy where people are filling themselves up with bad news. The first strategy is to seek out reasons for hope amidst the despair and the doom and gloom that you have been bombarded with on the news. So in other words, you're looking for the opposite of what the news is telling you. You see, the news doesn't make money from telling you good things that are happening in the midst of this crisis. They focus on the negative and the news sensationalize the negative. So if that's all you're listening to, you will fall into despair. It is very important that you seek out reasons for having hope in the midst of this crisis. And when I, I say seek out reason, I'm referring to reasons about the disease itself. So here are a few a few reasons where you can find hope in the midst of this crisis, in the midst of the doom and, and the gloom. On the 4th of April of this year, the Premier of Ontario said that there would be 1,600 deaths in Ontario from COVID by the end of the year. At the end of, sorry, by the end of the month. And so by the end of April, there were predicted to be 1,600 deaths. To date, we, are, we only have just around 1,000 deaths in the entire in the entire Ontario. This is 37% less. So this can give you hope. 37% less. This is a big, big drop in the number than was predicted. There was also a lot of 
prophecy online about there's going to be this Armageddon where people are going to be killing people for food and uh, people started panicking and buying food. Well, let me say that you can take hope today because there is no food shortage. People can get food to buy. No one is starving because there isn't food on the shelf. And we know that the shortage that was created was because people were panicking. So take note of that. There is no food shortage. You can get food to buy. And you might not be able to get everything that you need, but you're not going to starve because the shelves are empty. You can also take comfort in the fact that the crisis predicted, the crisis predicted to take part in New York never happened. New York was dubbed the COVID capital of the world. And one expert on infectious disease, Dr. James Lawler, actually said that he's from the University of Nebraska Medical Center Hospital. And he said, we need to start working right now. This is back in, in March. He was, he, he wrote this. And he, and Dr. Lawler predicted that he estimated that there was going to be 96 million people killed in the from this disease in the United States and he said that the the healthcare system was going to be overwhelmed by the number of death he suggested also that from this infection of 96 million people there would be about 480,000 deaths in in this uh, season of the virus. And he's talking about this season that we are going through. No, not the fall, just this season that we are going through. There would be 480,000 deaths. And he said in, the, in, in this article that I am reading that this is a conservative estimate. It's no wonder that people panicked when they heard this news. And the picture he painted uh, made people in New York panic that they would run out of ventilators, they wouldn't have place to put the, the people who were sick, and so there were constructions of new hospitals going up, or hospitals that for the most part wasn't needed. So we can take comfort in the fact that the situation didn't turn out to be as dire. Now, the new predictions for the state, they're looking at maybe the, the death toll will get to 80,000. But he was predicting this expert, this, this expert on infectious disease was predicting 480,000 death, deaths. So if you read articles like these and, and it is stuck in your mind, in your subconscious, and you don't think about, consciously think about the opposite, you will go into a panic. So it's important to think about the other side of the news. It's also important for us to remind ourselves that some provinces and states are reopening. And it's also important to remind yourself, too, that someone 106 years old survived the virus. Yes, her name is Connie Titchen. She was 106 years old, and she's believed to be the oldest person in Britain to survive the COVID-19 disease. So if she survived, she's 106, I think we can take hope in the fact that 
It's not a death sentence if you get the disease. And how you think about things can be very important. If you think negatively, if you go into panic and fear, you're actually compromising your immune system. So look for reasons to give you hope. And I have just outlined several reasons that... That, you, that can give you hope as you go through this time. Seek out reasons for hope. That's the first point. The second point is to maintain some sense of normalcy. When there is a crisis, such as what we are going through, it turns our world upside down. It creates a lot of changes. And with this with these changes come anxiety because we are creatures that like things to stay the same. That is why we sit in the same seat every Sunday when we go to church. We don't like changes. No, changes are forced on us. So whatever you can do to maintain a sense of normalcy will be very good for your mental health. For example, worship on Sundays. You might not be able to go into a physical building the way that you did every Sunday, but you can still tune in to that service or a service online and worship at the same time in the same way you did. Make it as similar as possible. Get up, get dressed, even if you, if this helps. Get up, get dressed in some way and f- shape and form and worship the way that you normally did on Sunday. Don't make the mistakes that the Israelites made when they were in captivity in Babylon. In Psalm, I think it's one, one third of four, we read these words. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat down and wept when we, rem- when we remembered Zion. There on the willows, we hung our harp. So these Israelites, while in captivity, they hung their harps on trees. They didn't think that God could be worshipped even in captivity. So I'm saying maintain a sense of normalcy. They could have maintained a sense of normality, even normalcy, even while in captivity by worshipping their God. But instead, they hung their harps on trees. Don't hang up your harps. Don't put away your hymnal. Don't put away your Bible, your Bibles. Maintain a sense of normalcy. Find time to worship and do things that are similar. In, in a similar fashion, it's important for you to keep in contact with people that you were in contact with before this epidemic. You can do so by video conferencing. Keep in contact with people. This will help you to maintain a sense of normalcy. If you had hobbies that you did before this this pandemic started, it's important to continue to do those hobbies as much as it is safe to do so. Don't give up on life. Don't hang up your harps like the Israelites did and go into a time of mourning. Maintain a sense of normalcy because this will give you hope. There is a story told of a British clergyman by the name of J. Of, of G. Campbell Morgan, 
Or I should say that G. Campbell Morgan, this British clergyman, told the story of a man whose shop had been burned in the Great Chicago Fire of 1871. And this fire destroyed this man's business place. So he arrived at the ruins the next morning carrying a table. He set up the table in the midst of the charred debris. And he put a sign up that said, Everything lost except wife, children, and hope. Business will be resumed as usual tomorrow morning. So I like that picture of this man in the midst of this charred building with a sign up that say business will resume. And I think we need to put that that picture up in our brain that say this is not the end. We're going through this hard time. This virus is like a fire that have ravaged our society and has taken away a lot of the normalcy that we have been familiar with, but we can put up that sign in our minds that say business will resume, things will get back to normal. So the second point is to maintain a sense of normalcy as much as you can, and this will give you hope. If you have just joined us, you're listening to the Life Transformation Show. I'm your host, Michael Art of Elam Counseling Services. And in today's show, I'm talking about five ways to flatten the curve of hopelessness. If you're not familiar with us, you can find out more by going, going to our website, elimcounselingministry.com. Elim is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. Or you can call us at one 877 So now to our third point. The third point is to cultivate a sense of control. The the third way to flatten the curve of hopelessness is to cultivate a sense of control. When we are in the midst of a crisis, it often gives us this sense that life is out of control and that in itself can bring about feelings of hopelessness. So whatever you can do to cultivate a sense of control will help you to remain hopeful. For example, you can take steps to stay healthy even while going through this crisis. Don't give up on life. Don't sit down and mourn. Take steps to exercise regularly, to eat right, and make future plans. As you do so, you're giving yourself a sense of control. Jesus did this while he was on the cross. In John 19, verse 26 to 27, we read these very powerful words, and these words let These words jumped out at me as I read them over the Easter holidays because I realized that Jesus in the midst of his crisis maintained a sense of control. So the words are, Near the cross of Jesus, this is from John 19, 26 and 27, Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciples whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciples, 
here, and to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, the disciple took her into his home. So just picture this. Jesus is on the cross. The Roman soldiers are there. There's a crowd there. People are mocking him. Things seem to be out of control. And in the midst of this, he's saying, I am controlling what I can control. My mother is here. She needs to have someone who is going to take care of her. And my focus is not my pain. My focus is not my suffering. My focus is not the crowd. My focus is on my mother who needs a son. And I am taking care of that in the midst of the crisis. There is, There are things that you can do to give yourself that sense of control while you're going through the crisis. And if you do that, it will flatten your curve of hopelessness. So cultivate this sense of control. So we need to also understand that when we go through this period of hopelessness, this period of doom and gloom that that we are going through, as you cultivate this sense of control, you are not just, it's not just, we need to keep in mind, I should say, it's not just a mental exercise. You're actually changing the neurochemistry of your brain. You're actually doing something that is, is, is improving your immune system and helping to keep you healthy as you go through that. So another way you can maintain a sense of control is to volunteer. There are studies that have been done that showed that people who volunteer report feeling healthier after going through challenges, after going through through great hardship. People who volunteer report that they feel much more in control of their lives, they feel healthier, and they're happier as a result of helping others. So by helping others, you are maintaining a sense of control. The fourth point today to flatten the curve of hopelessness is to sit and visualize doing the things that you miss doing. So you can sit and visualize being outside, having fun, playing golf, if this is something that you you enjoy doing. You can sit and visualize being with your family if you're alone and can socialize with family. And when you do so, again, this is not just a mental exercise. People might look at this and think, oh, this is just something that you're making up and there is no power to it. This is just make-believe. But the part of our brain that deals with emotion, the amygdala, doesn't know the difference between what's real and what's not. And that is why we can be motivated by watching a movie that is all made up. That is why movies can scare us to death because our bodies react just as if it is happening. So you can use that same capacity to help yourself. Visualize doing the things that you love, and in the same way that when you're fearful over a movie, your body will produce hormones that 
that stress hormones such as cortisol, your body will start producing hormones that are healthier, endorphins, serotonin, and will help you to start feeling better over time. Do not, est- do not underestimate the power of visualizing. I do visualizing with my clients in the office and people who come in in the clutches of stress and anxiety start feeling better almost immediately most of the time. The, 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 the writer of Proverbs in Proverbs 27, 3 says, As a man think in his heart, so is he. And in his heart, he's talking about the seat of emotion. And so if you use your emotion to visualize, you can get tremendous benefit from it. The fifth point is to realize that suffering can be a pathway to great blessings. A lot of times we look at hardship and we ask God why and we mourn and we lament. And yes, there is a place for that. But there is also a place to realize that our greatest suffering can also be the gateway to our greatest blessing. Naomi met Ruth in Moab. Naomi had gone to Moab because of a famine in Bethlehem. And in Moab, she lost her husband and her two sons. Her two sons and her husband died there. But it was there that she met Ruth, a Moabite. And it's from that meeting that we have the descendant. Jesus Christ is a descendant of that line. And if we look at this, we might say this is a very sad thing. This woman is losing her husband. She is losing her two sons. But yet that opened the gateway for Ruth to become a part of the the family of God and for that book of Ruth to be written from which so many of us take encouragement. It was also famine that reunited Joseph and his brother. God used that famine to reunite a family that was torn apart because of envy. It was also the conflict between Abraham and Lot that 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 God used to direct Abraham to his his path. And we know the story of, of Jonah very well, that God used the storm and the seas and the whale to bring about his will in Jonah's life. So as we go through this hardship, I want you to, to rethink how you're looking at this strategy because God could be using it to bring about something great in your life. We want to thank you for joining us in this episode of the Life Transformation Show. If you have benefited from our ministry, then we want to encourage you to please consider making a donation. Donation help us to provide subsidized counseling to those who need it and also to keep this broadcast on this broadcast on the air. Donations can be made through our website or at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash ELIM counseling, where you can become a sponsor of this broadcast for as little as five dollars monthly. Again we want to Thank you for being a faithful listener to this show. Many of you I have I have met in person, and thank you for for uh, making this show possible and for making it so so successful. On our YouTube channel, we have close to seven seven hundred thousand people who have now listened online. So until next time, this is your host Michael Hart of 
Elam Counseling Services, praying God's protection over you and your family as you go through this very trying times and praying that God would keep you safe and God would help you to put these strategies in place to to have hope as you go through these tough times. But I also want to pray that God would bless you in all your relationships and keep you sound in mind and pure in heart. 